Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview-based podcast focused on offering listeners in-depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live from the beautiful city of Sao Paulo, Brazil. It is I, Clinton Cayley, the host of this year's podcast, Psychedelicast. Thanks for joining us once again. Uh, we got a good one for you today, man. I did a little chat. just We just wrapped it up um, a few minutes ago with Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. Excited to share this one with you. Touches on a lot of things that uh, that I've battled in my life and struggles that I've had personally. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this episode. So I'm excited to deliver that to you. Uh, it's a good chat. We had myself hosting, if you'd like to call it that. And we had all three of the hosts and co-hosts of the uh, Mormons on Mushrooms podcast with us. We're going to link all their social media and all their projects in the show notes. You got to give these guys a follow. They're doing some cool shit. And uh, their podcast is fantastic as well. Super happy to have connected with them. And I'll be looking forward to uh, reconnecting with them, maybe uh, singly or as a group. Again, I had a lot of fun with this podcast. It was really good to kind of uh, break away from my life here for a moment and uh, and step into the podcast world. Although I was feeling kind of hesitant to do it this morning, I got it together and I had a great time and I'm really happy that I did. Beyond that, let's do our little bit of housekeeping before we get to the chat with Mormons on Mushrooms. Right off the bat, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about our Patreon group, Psychedelicast Psychonauts. That's going to be found at www.patreon.com slash psychedelicast. Uh, our community is very small, but it is constantly growing. And uh, if you'd like to already have access to the video version of today's podcast, you could have that. Um, it drops early every week for Psychedelicast Psychonauts in full HD video, depending on where I am and my uh, internet connection. The, the HD capability of this video on my end was not so great, but we made it work and it's a fantastic conversation, particularly this episode with Mormons on Mushrooms. I think you guys would really enjoy the video episode, uh, the video version of this one. We had a lot of fun, man. We, had, we, we, we got into some serious shit, but we also had a really good time. Uh, just kind of cutting up and uh, it's a fun video to to check out. So if you'd like to see that, if you'd like to come on the show and tell your own story, if you'd like to be involved in a community of like-minded psychonauts, consciousness explorers and spirituality enthusiasts, whatever you want to call yourself, you're welcome to join us at the Patreon page. That's uh, patreon.com slash psychedelicast. For only $3 a month, dude, you're going to get four extra episodes than the free bi-weekly one that... Uh, that you're listening to right now, you are also going to get access to videos and any other exclusive shit that I come up with. It's only $3 a month, dude. Help me out. Help the show out. Help yourself out. Get some more trippy uh, shit in your life. Let's do psychedelic news. Hold up. Wait a minute. Uh, I forgot to tell you guys to subscribe to this podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. And also, dude, drop us some stars, man. Drop a review. Leave us some love. We love you guys. You love us. Hook it up with some stars, bro. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on all that shit. 
share the show with your friends and family and follow us on the socials. That's where I make really funny memes. I think they're really clever. Um, and I share all kinds of psychedelic related information, articles, images, Terrence McKenna shit, uh, tool shit, all the stuff that I'm into, all the trippiness, uh, we share it on social medias at psychedelicast at both on both Facebook and Instagram. Follow us there. Now let's do psychedelic news. In psychedelic news today, we're going to offer you kind of a whimsical little article here from USA Today. Um, it was written by Mr. Josh Peter on November 27th, 2020, entitled Mike Tyson Says Psychedelic Drug, quote, told me to come back and start getting in shape. Mike Tyson said a psychedelic drug known as toad venom played a part in his return to boxing at the age of 54 and his taking on Roy Jones Jr. Saturday night in an eight-round exhibition match. A quote from Tyson here, I took the medicine and the medicine told me to get into shape. Referring to psychedelic 5-MeO-DMT during an interview on the day of the official weigh-in. It really blew my mind. It told me to come back and start getting in shape. The fight will be Tyson's first fight in 15 years. His pro career ended on June 11, 2005 when he refused to come out for the seventh round against journeyman Kevin McBride. Tyson and Jones will fight at Staples Center in Los Angeles but without spectators because of COVID-19 restrictions. The fight is available on pay-per-view for $49.99 and can be watched at TysonOnTriller.com. Now, we're a little bit late for this article, um, but I actually watched this fight last night. It took place, if you'd like to call it a fight, it wasn't the best boxing match I'd ever seen. But I really am uh, interested in Mike Tyson's personal transformation, his work with Tyson Ranch, his work with Bufo Medicine. Um, if you're not familiar with the fact that Tyson's been doing this kind of stuff, you should check out some YouTube videos on his uh, psychedelic experiences. And uh, I posted a, a, a meme about Mike Tyson today on Psychedelicast uh, Instagram and Facebook, and someone commented, if someone like Mike Tyson can change for the better, then we all can. And I have to say, I think that's true. You know, we've all got things that we can change. Not to say that I'm any better, any worse than Mike Tyson. Um... But uh, I think his transformation uh, and work with psychedelics and plant medicines has been very, very interesting to see. So, um, yeah, just check YouTube for some stuff that Mike Tyson said about Toad. Pretty interesting. With that being said, let's jump right into this uh, wonderful discussion with my homies at Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. Check it out. And I guess it will come as no surprise to you guys that we had some technical difficulties on my end. Once again, dude, internet connections are sketchy here. Um, so thank you for sticking with us through these fumbles and bumbles. We appreciate it. Let's do this. So it's nice to uh, put a, a face with the name and the voice. Thanks, man. Thank you for the support. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, who do we have over here to my right? Me? Shalise? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm Shalise. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Mormons on Mushrooms joining us here on Psychedelic Cast. I guess we'll just kind of go ahead and begin with intros and kind of get to know you guys and then Doug will join us or should we wait for him? What do you got? How you guys want to play it? Let's just wait for him. We can just kind of like shoot the shit for a second and, and uh, 
get to know each other. Sure, I, I kind of want to hear about Shalisa's Thanksgiving anyway. It looked like a. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tell me some. Tell me about some Thanksgiving stuff because I'm in Brazil alone and I didn't oh. have Thanksgiving. Yeah. So what is your? Yeah. I, I'll we'll get to that. But anyway, I want to hear about Shalise. But then yeah. I want to know about your deal, Clinton. You've got like a you've got like an interesting uh, adventure you're on. So anyway, so was it fun, Shalise? Yeah, so I'm alone in Los Angeles. My family's all in Utah. And so I went to Mike's family's house, well, Mike's house with his family and crashed it. <laughs> it was fun. We played some card games and he busted out the guitar. We started singing some hymns just for funsies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, you, you guys sent me a video of, of the uh, the Mormon hymn. I can't, it was the primary song you were singing. I yeah. Can't it was a but, child's prayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I was, I mean, you, you sent it at 1030 your time. I had been literally asleep for three hours by the time I got <laughs> that. I went to bed at 830 on Thanksgiving. Wow. I was, I just, yeah, we, we yeah. I, when I get bored, I'm like, well, I guess I'll go to, I guess I'll go to bed, you know? <laughs> yep. I mean, it's called getting old, man. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, so, you're probably in a, tur- a turkey coma too. Oh, you know what? This year uh, we broke tradition and we did not do turkey, which I was very happy with because I hate, I don't like turkey anyway. To be honest with you, I I don't ever get like a turkey sandwich what? or like a yeah I don't I don't like turkey. And so uh, since we were doing COVID and we weren't doing anything, we were just like, why don't we just cook a prime rib and oh go hell hard, yeah go hard. So we, <laughs> yeah, we did that. Which was good. I'll accept that. I'll, I'll accept that as a substitute. Yeah, that's a pretty good second choice. I love prime rib. Oh, man. So good. So, Clinton, yeah. you tell me. I've been trying to follow your podcast, but I, I, I'm, I'm still a little confused on the details. Like, why are you such a, like, wanderlust, vagabond, travel? Like, what are you doing? Well, uh, yeah, I'm traveling right now and it, that doesn't, it really doesn't have anything to do with my podcast. It kind of just became my life here recently. Um, and I wanted to continue the podcast on the road because I knew I was going to be, uh, experiencing some more medicines and, and doing some different things and, and stuff. So I just kind of Got, took my computer, my phone, and I'm podcasting from wherever I happen to land, which is Sao Paulo, Brazil at the moment. What's yeah, up, Michael? That's, that's radical. Sao Paulo. Hey, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Hey. You guys hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I like, what's, what's with this haircut, dude? Yeah, they butch me, man. I'm like, I, I'm trying to grow it out. And then they... I don't know what they do. Well, you're doing, <laughs> you're doing the right you're doing the right thing because you got to make sure the side because the sides will grow like longer and faster, and so you got to okay. keep those sides. Nice. You look like yeah. He didn't I take know. much off the top, but it feels like he did. You but. look amazing, dude. You're so sexy. I, think, I it. think it's pretty dapper. I think it's pretty dapper. Yeah. <laughs> Chalice, you look like you're in high def. What's going on there? Yeah. What is going on here? <laughs> You your background I don't know. Blurred um, yeah, I have the blur on my background, and then I have the window light coming in. Dude, I want a background effect. Yeah. Dude, I found a really kind of like fun, trippy one, and I was playing with it right before we all yeah, kind of. That... <laughs> <laughs> I love that one too. Oh, I love it. Let me see if I can find this one I was looking at. Yeah. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that one's cool too. 
Mike, you also look like you're in high def, like more clear than the Zoom calls that we've done. I just blurred mine right now. Try that. Yeah, you, you kind of look like uh, uh, inside of a 5MEO DMT experience, like <laughs> super blinding white light. <laughs> oh, somebody <laughs> dropped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually one of the medicines I tried out uh, here recently on my uh, little voyage when I was in Mexico. I was in Tulum. It's a kind of like a real hippie, spiritual, earthy eco out here. I found a guy who was administering toad medicine, and I tried that. And uh, yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing. It's equivalent to what most people make it out to be. It's like dying and coming back to life. Mm. It was amazing. I did it last month. But there's a... As well. Oh, really? Yeah. How was uh, that? Very... You know, I think she gave me a smaller dose, but it was still... Uh, it was such a it's such an amazing experience. Like yeah. blasted off, <clears throat> trauma came up, life lessons learned. It was a it was a beautiful. The toad is powerful. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I was really scared. Uh, I don't know. I just couldn't shake the apprehension, like the the pre flight jitters, and I had a lot of fear, and I. I was trying my best to back out and basically the shaman was like, no dude, you need to stop and take this hit. It's going to be fine. Just trust me and do it. And he's like more, 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 more. He's just like, <laughs> and so I'm just, <laughs> and then pretty soon it's just like, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, yeah. it was wild, man. Pretty, pretty hard to explain. You can explain some things about ayahuasca and mushrooms, but this is like, there's not even words that would remotely quantify what happens. So it's kind of pointless to try to describe it. <laughs> but anyways, why don't we get into a little bit about each of you. Tell us about uh, the Mormons on Mushroom pr Mushrooms Project. I kind of have an idea of what it is and, I, and I'm digging it. But why don't you just describe it for our listeners and uh, just maybe share a little bit about yourselves, and then we'll tangent off into whatever happens. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll start. Maybe we'll go Doug and then Shalise. So, okay. you know, we're a podcast we started only like four months ago or so, and it actually started after an ayahuasca experience that Doug and I had. Um, you know, during that experience, you know, it was, it was the spring solstice, so I think it was like June, late June. And kind of had this vision of all these people around. We did it actually, all these people, all these Mormons, ex-Mormons maybe doing similar ceremonies on that night. And, oh, did I lose you guys? Are we good? No, we're, we're okay. okay. Um, and just kind of had a feeling it was time to start uniting all of us together. Um, and I don't know what that meant. It was just kind of like this, this voice you know, how it is with ayahuasca, like this telepathy of like, it's time. Don't you remember it's time? And later, you know, Doug and I were just talking, like, let's just start a podcast. Let's just record us talking, mostly for our own therapy. Um, you know, Doug and I are pretty new on this psychedelic journey. We've only, it was like two years ago that we did our first mushroom trip together. And that was our wow. first time doing ayahuasca. And so, um, yeah, we were just like, let's just start recording ourselves. Well, you know, we uh, more as an excuse for us to talk every Sunday, Doug and I. Yeah. And then 
it kind of just went from there and it's the response has been so beautiful and overwhelming and Shalice came right right from the beginning we launched our Instagram and I think it was like day one or two that we had our Instagram up Shalice is like yes I want to tell you all the things I know <laughs> like yes we're, we're, we're ready for you to tell us everything um so that's how the, the podcasts are just a little bit about me so born and raised Mormon served a mission in Sao Paulo or in Brazil but I lived in Sao Paulo for a couple months uh they had a, a training center there for missionaries um, before I then went to southern Brazil for the rest of my mission. Um, but left the church about seven years ago or so. Um, and, you know, for, went through the whole ex-Mormon experience, trying new things, alcohol, weed, um, but really just dealing with a lot of residual trauma from my Mormon upbringing and especially my mission years that I didn't know I had until mushrooms and then after that therapy. And so, you know, when we talk about our podcast, that's what we, we talk about all of it. You know, it, I think our tagline is like exploring higher consciousness while healing from toxic, toxic religious shame. So we talk about therapy, you know, the shame we had growing up, uh, how plant medicine has helped that, how meditation, how yoga, how, how different practices that we've learned this past year or two have really helped us heal from that. Yeah. Very interesting. So I have a similar, I'll let you, I'll let you go on and do your thing too, but I have a similar background. I was raised in Southern Baptist, uh, very conservative religious uh, upbringing. So we'll get into all that, but go ahead and continue. Oh yeah. I, I just was going <clears> to, <throat> really, I wasn't even going to tell my story yet. I was just going to say, I just love Mike so much. Like I could listen to Mike <laughs> tell stories. I, I think that's probably the, maybe the genesis of the podcast is this that, recording. Sorry, man, I'm cutting in and out. I don't know if it's me or somebody else. Can you guys hear me mm. clearly now? Yeah, Sometimes you are, you are cutting a little bit, but I, I think, I think it's all right. It's all part of that fun process, right? I mean, it, you, we want it to be a little dirty and, and, and <laughs> hard to follow, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially, dude, uh, since I've been on the road doing this and trying to record and interview and podcast in general on the road, it's constant problems with connection. And so, yeah, I'm used to it. Go ahead, man. All right. Yeah. Well, so, you know, Mike kind of told the story about how we how we started the pod. I, you know, the, the podcast really came about because Mike and I were kind of on a similar journey where we were uh, dipping our toe into psychedelics and we were kind of doing it together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike and I have kind of had a shared journey through all of the stages of leaving our conservative religious background. Um, Mike is a very open and vulnerable storyteller. And so when we would sit and tell stories and talk to each other about trauma or therapy or some of the trips that we had experienced, I just would, I would feel like, God, Mike, I feel like you have the right cadence and pace and storytelling ability for a podcast and uh so we did it i mean I, it's it's there's really not much more than that we we and don't that really... terrified me doug anytime you say <laughs> that i'm like oh that sounds like a fun thing but oh that's but it's so true <laughs> and i just i love i love listening to you like i i even listen back when i'm like editing episodes of the podcast and i'm like god i just Mike gets it. And so Mike's a really good person to hit your 
your wagon to because he just sort of he gets the healing process and and he's he's all in for it like he's jumped in uh you know cannonball style as for me i'm very similar i i was ra- born and raised mormon mormon stock served a mission all of the things uh you know within mormonism and, and was a full-blown true blooded believer um until i wasn't and then i was <laughs> like well i think i think i think i should try everything and there are things i have not yet tried um that i'm still trying to like wrestle with the um i don't know the moral implications of those things or the is it is it good for me is it bad for me but yeah i think clinton as far as for your podcast purposes my introduction is is pretty similar to mike's so it's probably cool to just pass it to shalice because her experience has been so wild and and just so um I, I don't know, like uh, enlightening that Shalice is is uh, probably ready to say some cool things. <laughs> I mean, cool. let's hear you can't discount your own experience. Both of you have some pretty amazing, enlightening things to say as well. Um, for me, I grew up in the church, grew up in Utah, moved when I was 16. That's kind of when the world broadened and I discovered that there was a world outside of Mormonism. And I really ended up leaving the church after doing lots and lots of research around 20 years old. And I'm 30 now, so it's been a while. And yeah, it's been kind of a crazy ride for me because initially I dived right into spirituality and wanted to learn about ghosts and the afterlife. And if, if Mormonism isn't true, then what is true? And just kind of really trying to figure that out for myself. But I didn't start doing plant medicine until about a year and a half ago or two years ago. Um, And it was just like this wild coincidence how I got booked as an actor to go to this ayahuasca retreat center. And at that point, I still had never drank alcohol or smoked weed. But I'm in the Amazon jungle doing like tobacco, getting snorted that up the nose and like (laughs) all these other medicines that were just blowing my brains out. Um, And I had a really transformational experience. And so I've kind of just looked into it more. And so, yeah, when I saw Mormons on Mushrooms on Instagram, I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm in. (laughs) Okay, that's wild. So I understand the common thread now. Okay, so yeah, and we all kind of have that common thread. So you you never smoked weed, you never drank alcohol, you just went straight to the jungle to drink ayahuasca? <laughs> yeah, and it, you know what's funny? I've thought about it, and this is what I've come up with. The reason why it didn't seem so outlandish to me was because, one, I had never even heard of ayahuasca when I was in Utah or when I was a Mormon. So there was no connection between ayahuasca and what they would call a drug. It never came across my mind as being something bad. Whereas alcohol and weed were very prevalently called drugs and were against Mormon doctrine. So I think when I heard of ayahuasca, since I had already been out of the church and I kept hearing about its spiritual qualities, I never really connected it to drugs. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a spiritual enlightening experience. And I didn't see it as something crazy, which it it is kind of crazy when you look at it from the outside in, but um, it was exactly what I needed. I can imagine the church adding that now to like the word of wisdom. Like, oh yeah, and and ayahuasca too. And ayahuasca. (laughs) Coffee and ayahuasca. (laughs) It's pretty obscure. It's and you know what's odd about this is that like ayahuasca 
basically saved me from atheism because I had gone through the whole gauntlet of Christianity and didn't wasn't jiving with me as I grew into my 20s and later and you know I'm 30 now and by my mid 20s I was pretty jaded on the entire and I still am as far as like organized religion but I was pretty jaded on God in general and you know this whatever universal love or whatever you want to call it and uh I drank ayahuasca and that in one night changed the entire way that I saw the world around me and the way that I thought about uh a creator or some sort of uh presence greater than myself basically I thought that I knew everything and that I was God in a sense, and I, you know, was basically worshiping my own intellect, and uh, that was all destroyed in the span of five hours. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and it and it brought me back to a place where I was actually interest, more intrigued and interested in seeking a power, a higher power, and whatever that may be. Where at that point I was like, this is all bullshit. I don't want anything to do with it so on and so forth. Isn't that a funny experience that's really shared among people who are psychonauts or or who have, uh, you know, kind of dabbled with, with psychedelics. It's like, I was, I was hardcore atheist and I could quote Christopher Hitchens and I could quote, quote Carl Sagan and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, you know, Johnny arrogant about my, my uh, affirmation of the, the complete lack of existence of God and and I was talking about burden of proof with people and all that kind of stuff. And then you do like ayahuasca and you're like, oh shit, not only is there God and other entities, I am part of that and I am God and everybody else is kind of God and we are God. And yeah. now I feel, now I retroactively feel like the last eight years of my life, I've been a total fucking asshole to everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. Yes, dude. And like people like I talk to these people who I've had these heated discussions with about the how bullshit God is and how much bullshit religion is and all this. And they're like, what? You're like you've gone completely 180 degrees the other way. Like I'm like, yeah, man, I drank this weird shit in the jungle and uh, it kind of changed everything. (laughs) Well, and there's something true there. I mean, I don't know if if you went through much of a bitter stage, but um there was something for me in going through that and really, I mean, it was a dark night of the soul. They say, you know, what I'm, it's been funny what these plant medicines kind of showing me lately is that we're all here in this playground that is the hero's journey. You know, we're all here on our own hero's journey and somehow it all works that you're part of mine and I'm part of yours. And, um, but, and that's just kind of what I believe now, but, uh, that dark night of the soul was real. And it was this, I don't think there is anything. I think this is all there is. And it was a lot of, uh, anger at, I mean, that's the anger still comes up at feeling like I bit was lied to and betrayed, you know, by the, by the religion of my, you know, we were taught to believe something was so true. I mean, we went out and, you know, Doug and I did serve missions for two years, gave two years of our lives to, teach people and, and preach and convert people. And so you, you go through that experience and yeah, it was dark. Um, but as you guys are saying, I mean, I didn't expect when we were doing mushrooms that first time, I was mostly just looking for a a fun time. (laughs) I mean, I, I'd heard a little bit about the healing. I hadn't yet read, uh, 
like how to change your mind, Michael Pollan's book. But I, I heard that, you know, they could help people heal from trauma and, and, but I didn't realize it would send me on this whole new spiritual journey as well. So how did that come about? How did you guys decide to give these mushrooms a try or what, what, what was it that drew you to the mushroom? I know you said you kind of wanted to have a, a fun experience. And I remember when I was younger, first experimenting with, with these uh, psychedelics, that was my thought as well. And then I accidentally took too much and I was huh. like, oh shit, this is not fun. This is uh, something beyond, far beyond fun. Um, this is, this has a f- much further reaching implications, but how did that, how did the mushroom, uh, enter your guys's radar? I, I mean, it accidentally. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I had read, um, so before we did mushrooms, I had read how to change your mind, uh, Michael Pollan's book. And also during my transition out of my very, conservative Christian upbringing, I had sort of decided I'm just going to try things like as they come along, let me just see what, let me, let me see if I can get my own experience. And so before Mike and I had done it, that fateful night, we always talk about, I had actually done mushrooms one time previous, um, at a concert. I thought it was just like a, let's have fun doing mushrooms. It'll be, it'll, it'll heighten everything. It'll add to the experience. And I had a real fucking bad time. Like I, I, I was, seeing behind people's faces and I could, I I felt like during the concert, I could see everyone's intent and it was just the wrong, it was just the wrong setting for me. And and I was really scared. I was like, wow, I, I, I had a brush with, uh, with deity. I had a brush with the divine and I was in the wrong place in the wrong time. And so, uh, Mike and I were hanging out one time and we were actually getting drunk together and, someone, a friend of Mike's from childhood was like, Hey, I I'm a shaman and I should be there for your first mushroom journey. And you guys should stop being drunk and you should come do mushrooms. And Mike was like, I don't know. What do you think? And I was like, yeah, I think we should. And and, and I was like, do you think we should? And Mike was like, yeah, I think we should. And so we got into this fucking strangers minivan and drove <laughs> 40 miles to a reggae festival and we it, that was almost over and we went behind this the stage and we went to this like campfire and they gave us mushrooms and mike and i had a transformative night mm-hmm. and that and that that's what started this whole thing this was two and a half years ago and that's what started this whole thing and then i hear people tell stories i mean i remember the very first time we had shalice on the podcast and clinton i've listened to your podcast and it's just so many people having a very similar experience of like awakening and getting in touch with the divinity within themselves and being in the right place at the right time with the right experience and the right people, that it's more for me than just some kind of like, oh, if you take this certain pill, you'll feel this kind of way and you know, you, you'll dance better than you've ever danced before and you'll sing karaoke better than you've ever seen before and you, you'll, you'll write music and you'll do art. There's something deeper than that and there's something much more spiritual than that, which is your connection with self, which is something I had pushed away for 37 years Yeah, and was finally in touch with. Yeah. And just to add to that. So yeah, we went from that night, we did a fantasy football draft. <laughs> That's, such an, important fantasy detail. Football. That's an important detail because <laughs> I don't give a fuck about fantasy football since that night. <laughs> <laughs> it's changed, it hasn't. <laughs> 
Yeah. So yeah, Venice Football Draft got drunk there. We were at the like after party at a bar in Salt Lake City, and then to have a few hours later be love gazing at the full moon, yeah. and that's where our my love affair with the moon started that night too. Oh, yeah. And it, by the way, it's a full moon tonight, guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dancing. Yeah. And to add to what Doug was saying there, that night, you know, it, we always talk about the, the, the medicine kind of gives you what you need in the moment, whether it's a good, quote unquote, good trip, bad trip. That was a very good one for me. And during that night, we were around the campfire under a full moon listening to the most beautiful music. And... I felt like my soul snapped into to place for the first time I can remember and being like, oh, this is what it feels like to be me, all of me. And now, of course, when it, it wore off, it kind of my soul separated and I needed to find my way back. And that's what I've been doing these last two years is slowly kind of connecting it again. And then, you know, my soul takes us, me one step further and one layer further. But that night, it was just this beautiful, magical experience. Yeah, that is beautiful. I've 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 been there too, brother. I've been there with the mushroom. I've that happened to me at a reggae festival with LSD, and that was the one that showed me the just the transformative power of the psychedelic. Because up until then, I had taken a couple grams of mushrooms, and the walls were melting, and it was weird, and it was fun, and we're laughing. And then I I took more acid than I actually I have no idea how much it was, but it was <laughs> completely mind bending. Just uh, wild, wild ride of a psychedelic experience at this reggae festival. And, uh, but it was beautiful. And after that, that's when I was like, wow, this is not like, these aren't toys. These are tools for deep exploration and, uh, connection to self and nature and and all that, all that good stuff that you guys are talking about. Shalice, have you done LSD? No, I haven't. I, more and more, I feel like LSDs might be my favorite, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, Mike, you know how I feel about LSD, but I'm I'm yeah. sitting here, Clinton, with you. I'm like, man, LSD kicks the door down a little bit, doesn't it? It shows you the universe. Yeah, for sure. We felt like God that For sure. Night. I mean, we were God. Yeah. We were God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, dude, LSD is fantastic. I love it. But for me, ayahuasca was the one that when I drank ayahuasca the first time, I was like this dwarf, it dwarfed all other psychedelic experiences. I mean, I remember being in the middle of it and thinking, like laughing about taking mushrooms, even though it's, <laughs> you know, mushrooms are equally as powerful and equally as potential. And I respect them just as much because I've gone far there as well. But I don't know, the intensity and the depth of my experience on ayahuasca, DMT just reacts with me in a very, uh, powerful way and for me that was like after that night i was like it was like i had taken a psychedelic for the first time like i don't know how to explain that very well but it was like okay this is my eyes are open to the the power of this now that's true ayahuasca is like the grandmother of all like (laughs) ayahuasca yeah you know what i'm about yeah Yeah. i am i i I rescind my lsd (laughs) (laughs) well Uh, one thing i'll add to that doug too is I feel like ever since I've done ayahuasca, it's amplified the psychedelics I've done since. Like now I do a mushroom trip. Like you guys, I took, so yesterday I've been microdosing on this little chocolate bar and I went to go take it and there was a, 
there was a, I was just going to take a little bit and there was a full square there. And I'm like, oh, thank you universe. I guess I'm going to take a full square, <laughs> which is only like a gram. It's not, I mean, it's still like a more than a microdose, but not, but it took me back into this ayahuasca thing. And then next thing I know, I'm naked in the bathroom and whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you, just to go back to what you said about LSD being your favorite, uh, I wouldn't say ayahuasca is my favorite man, because no. <laughs> I have yeah. to, I have to get, I mean, I'm thinking about drinking ayahuasca again right now. And actually I just made a friend today here in Brazil who is going tomorrow to drink daime. Um, so oh, wow. she, it's her going to be her first ayahuasca experience. And she's like, do you want to come with me? And I'm like, not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, good. I mean, the universe LSD, given the opportunity. Just go, man. Just go. Uh, oh, God, I know I should. I was thinking about it, like, actually pretty hard after she asked me. I was like, I should probably do it. But then like, I looked at the dime, the dimista method and it's like, it's like church, but you drink ayahuasca. I'm like, ah, uh, dude, I ain't, I can't, uh. <laughs> yeah, I I'll, I'll go out into the jungle with some Indians and do it. You know, that that's the way I did it the first time, but this, I don't know. Um, but they also have some combo around here and I think I'm going to do the combo experience for the first time. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, but not to divert too far. Uh, yeah, LSD, if I had to pick a favorite, would probably – I don't know, man. I like smoking DMT too. Smoking DMT pretty much does it for me too. It's kind of a toss-up. I think every medicine has its own thing because if I were to say anything, it would be ayahuasca is like the mother teacher where when you do ayahuasca, it's because you have a major lesson to learn major trauma to kind of purge and to get yourself back to your initial state of joy and happiness. When you do mushrooms, it's kind of like, let me show you how to expand. Let me show, show you how to become one with everything. So I think each medicine has its own journey for sure. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Absolutely. And uh, let's see, I had a peyote ceremony of uh, about six or eight months ago in uh, Texas in my home state. And that was like a complete, it was almost like MDMA. It was similar, the feeling in the, in, and they all, yeah, they all have their kind of flavors and their kind of usefulness. And, and I remember during that ceremony, I was just having this really like heart opening, not like this, like ayahuasca for me was so mind bendingly, visually, every sensory input was just being assaulted with like psychedelia. <laughs> but this was like so gentle, but so profound and emotional. And I remember I was crying several times and, and the road man would come and ask me why I was crying. And I would try to explain to him this thing that I was feeling, but it was like just the attempt to have this conversation with him. I was, I, I was like, I'm crying because your relationship, the roadman himself, I'm, I'm watching this like ceremony play out and it's like three or four family members and they're, they're all grown men and their like love and respect for each other is just touching me so deeply. And like, I, I really am kind of mourning this for my, that I don't have this kind of masculine connection to my father and all these other things. And so when the roadman approaches me, I'm like kind of seeing him in this, uh, maternal light at in the midst of this experience and he's asking me why I'm crying and I'm like crying harder because I feel like I'm almost talking to my surrogate father 
Yeah. And in a way, the re- the relationship kind of became that for a, for a moment. And uh, yeah, it was just so uh, that just I'm just I just offered that anecdote to speak to kind of the different flavors that these things have. And that was unexpected for me. I was expecting, you know, ayahuasca esque ceremony, and it was nothing like that. And it was beautiful. What oh, was the ask? Oh, oh go sorry, ahead, go ahead. I was gonna bring up your. I was gonna bring up your story, Shalise. Did you say? Or, or oh, you? Because I'm saying even even the same medicine on different nights can be very different. So yeah, oh, sure. yeah. I was curious what the the peyote ceremony or ritual was like down in Texas. Was it Native American like or? Mm-hmm. It was well, Native American, as far as I can tell. Traditional Native American. Uh, they were involved with ONAC. Um, and he's a traveling road man who moves from Canada all the way down to uh, here to South America. And uh, it was very different than ayahuasca. I, I, I use ayahuasca as my kind of goalpost on this one because it's the only ceremonial style psychedelic experience I've ever had. So I was kind of like assuming it would be like that, but it was nothing like that. It was very communal, very open, very, there's a fire, so there's light, and there's singing and chanting, and they ask if you want to share, um, and it was very beautiful and very kind of, I don't know, it had that ancient feel to it. It had that feeling like Primal. this is an ancient. Yeah, like this is an ancient tradition and you're getting to be a part of something that's so old and so honest, like no bullshit, you know? It's like, it's <laughs> just, you eat the medicine and then whatever is going to happen is going to happen and and it all goes okay and everything ends up being beautiful and then the sun comes up. So yeah, I'm assuming it was like just a traditional uh, Native American peyote ceremony from what I know. Clinton, you, you, I gotta just, I, you can maybe edit this out, but like, there's a slight echo with you right now and with like your, no, 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 don't do anything to change it because (laughs) with, with your look and with your like nose ring and you keep like rubbing your lips with your tattoos, I feel like you are some kind of ancient Sumerian gods, like (laughs) to us right now. And I'm honestly 50% 50% turned on, 50% in worship dude, mode. Like, it's so fucking radical, blush. dude. <laughs> My face is getting so warm right now, man. Stop it. Stop Don't get warm. <laughs> get big. Like, you, it's honestly like, as you were talking, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Did I get just, I just, I, I might have just got transformed somewhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty trippy over here. Yeah, I guess there is an echo in here. I'm in a, I'm in a echoey sounding room. It's kind of cool. A good though. echo. It's a good echo. Yeah, yeah. right on. <laughs> so where were we? We're talking about different flavors, different experiences, ceremonial medicine. Well, um, I was just gonna say because with Shalise, when we we were talking about Shalise's ayahuasca experiences, because you did what five or six nights, Shalise, and every like night, like wasn't it, it wasn't like, it ten nights in a row or something like that? We we did seven ceremonies in two oh, weeks. Shit. Oh my god! And then Holy that was shit. that was on top of uh, combo and San Pedro and Sapo and Temescal 
and Rape and Nunu and did I miss any? I mean, come on, oh, girl. Really? Like you're like putting us all to shame here. As you're I, know. I feel like a bitch, a little bitch right now. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna call that girl right now and tell her I'm drinking Dime tomorrow. Do it tonight. No. Do it. Come on now. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I don't so know, man. Let me see. Yeah, um, it was so, wild. That sounds like a gauntlet. I think you should tell us about that. I'm interested. <laughs> well, I think what Mike was saying is just that the medicine kind of knows what you need. And of course, you can set intentions and it'll do its best to kind of be like, okay, fine, we'll talk about this. But now I'm going to tell you what I brought you here to tell you. Um, so every single night was so different. Uh, the first night, literally nothing happened and I was annoyed. And I remember thinking, I bet this would be cool if I was high right now. <laughs> like actually bitter and for the first time in my life wishing that I was high. And then the second night was just mind blowing because I went there with the intention of releasing some trauma from sexual childhood abuse. And so that was like my whole reason for being there. I was like, I'm, I need to let this go. And I heard that you could go in deep into the psyche and go through it and purge it and get rid of it. And so that's really what she did for me, what the medicine did for me, is it through a lot of visuals, through a lot of symbolism, I really got what I came there for. And so that was like night two. I'm like, well, now what? Because (laughs) there's so many ceremonies left. I had two weeks there. And so... Yeah, it was just like a gambit of so many different things. Um, there was the night after that was just a night of extreme shaking, which I didn't know was a form of purging. I thought I was possessed. I was 100% sure I was possessed. Huh. But um, it was just wild shaking. And they're like, well, it's just energy coming out of your body. And then <clears throat> another night, I was like, let's get crazy and like ask to see aliens and stuff. And then I did. <laughs> And then I did and was like, what? My mind was blown and I was so far gone that the shaman had to come back and blow smoke on my head to bring me back down. And I go into super deep detail on the Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. Yeah, like we're talking details where she like pops in on an alien who's like stringing like (laughs) skulls together to make like big old alien skull necklaces and shit (laughs) like that. That's a great story. Amazing. Yeah, I'm going to have to. That's crazy. I saw the aliens, too, on ayahuasca, and I was like, I was just laughing. I was just, it was hilarious. There was a moment where everything was so funny, like in an epically cosmic way. And I was just roaring, like hilariously. And I'm seeing these like little UFOs just kind of whizzing around. And it's very comical and very like uh, not serious for like one second because the rest of it's just so brutal. It was for me. It was very just... (laughs) like a pulverization. Um, but this one moment is like these little UFOs whizzing around. And I remember one of the, the ladies was coming to just check on me basically. And she looks like an alien made of light. And I don't know if this is actually happening or if this is real or, you know, I just, I can't decipher and I don't really care at this point. And she's asking me these basic questions. How are you feeling? And all I can do is just laugh. And she's like, (laughs) okay, well, just try to stay calm and I'm like, okay, thank you. Like, I don't know. 
That's so cool. I've never seen aliens, but I felt like I was an alien on ayahuasca for a moment oh, yeah, there. Yeah. That too. Yeah, definitely. Look in the mirror, Mike. Like, look in that yeah. mirror. Ooh. Yeah. I, had, I had a bizarre moment of, like, surgery, and I remember oh, thinking shit. during... Yeah, like it was like my body cracked in half and I was opened up and I could see like these like a bunch of hands coming out of like my peripherals, like out of the shadows. And they were very alien-esque and uh, they had like tools and things or probably like eight hands. And I was just bisected and inside me it looked more machine-like than organic and they were like – they were clipping things and like lasering things. And I'm just laying there like, <gasps> like trying to breathe, like not to lose my shit. And, uh, I was, that was another one of the kind of very extraterrestrial moments. And, uh, then they just kind of like zip me back up. And then I was on to another adventure somewhere in ayahuasca world. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Speaking of like spiritual surgery and ayahuasca, alien, shamanic, hucha surgery, Shalice, you got to tell <laughs> I know, I know we're trying to like keep like, you know, trademark on Mormons on Mushrooms podcast, but you got to tell that story about <laughs> your, about your surgery. It's so Don't good. Test. Yeah. So this yeah, is surgery, like. Surgery, surgery. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't even just visually. It actually happened. So there's a shaman. Her name was Maestra Justina, and she spent, I think it was two years doing a single dieta on this plant so she could learn how to do the shamanic surgery. And basically what happens is she finds it in your body. It's usually something that's hurting you. So with me, before my ayahuasca ceremony, there was like an intention ceremony where we go in with the shamans and we say, this is what I want to accomplish. How can you help me? And then you give them any other issues. And I was like, I always have um, a pain in my neck. And so, you know, they translate to her. She can't speak English. She comes over, she starts pressing around and then she puts her thumb in this spot and I squeal out and she goes, chonta. chonta. I was like, huh? <laughs> and so basically a chonta is like this, sounds like a spell, but it's, it's kind of like bad intent or bad energy that someone has sent to you like maliciously maybe it was maybe they didn't mean to maybe it was just like oh she thinks she's hot shit and like sends that energy and then it manifests itself in your body so I had this in my neck and so one night after our ceremony she calls me over I'm like oh, okay here we go and what she does is she locks her mouth on the area where the chanta is so she locks onto my neck and starts giving me the hickey of a lifetime. And she just starts sucking with all that she has. And it hurts so bad. And as she's latching on, I'm like, okay, um, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I start to actually feel something moving up towards the surface. And that's when it blew my mind. Because I had watched her do this before with other people. But I'm like, okay, maybe it's just like a show. Maybe she's just putting on a show. And, you know, maybe it's not actually real. But the second that I felt it moving up to the surface, I was like, it's real. It's definitely real. <laughs> yeah. Because even at one point, she kind of lost her grip and I felt it float back down. And I was like, no, I have to do this again. <laughs> and so she, she finally gets it up out of my neck. 
and then she basically spits something into a, like a paper towel that someone's holding. They put that item, whatever it is that came out, into a bowl and light it on fire so it doesn't come back to your body. Meanwhile, she is convulsing. She throws up. She's like moaning and like she's possessed. Basically, she's taking on this bad energy and she has to kind of get rid of it herself. And so what came out of mine was a fish bone. But like other things come out of other people. It's like it manifests itself energetically. Once it comes through the surface, it becomes an object like a fish bone or an insect or a rock or someone even had a nail once. Weird stuff. Holy shit. I know. I know. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, you, you tell that story to... Uh, the three years ago version of me. And I'm like, girl, come on now. Quit fucking around with this. I know what you're, well, I know what you're up to. Like, come on. But you tell yeah. that, you tell that story. Like the, the shaman lady is like, just matter of factly like chonta. And yeah, she's like, like all right, I guess I got to like, she's like hit, hitching up her sleeves, hitching up her britches. Like, all right, I got to get this fucking fish bone. And by the way, it wasn't a fishbone. It was a manifestation of trauma that it resided within Shalise. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, holy shit. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find the photo for you. And I'm. Yeah. I know people can't see it because it's a podcast. But just so you have an idea of what she did to my neck. Shalise, people can believe on faith. Come yeah. on now. Yeah. <laughs> holy shit. Holy <laughs> fucking shit! Wow. Yeah. I, see I believe the fishbone did out. come out of there. Yeah, so you that can see, like, wild. the mark in the middle where it actually came through. For the that listeners, it's like a big-ass hickey with a hole in the in the middle of it. Yeah. And out of that hole came some kind of fucking bad juju. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to Doug's point with that, there's something – because when with plant medicine, it just starts teaching you how to see the world metaphysically and yeah. through energy. And you feel energy. You feel the energy of the trees we were talking about. You feel the energy of the people in the room. Uh, you absorb some of their energy during ceremony too. You, it's just it shows you behind the matrix, and you see how everything's working metaphysically behind the scenes. And so, yeah, three years ago, I would have been. I wouldn't even listen to the story. I've been like, that's kind of a crazy story, <laughs> there, lady. <laughs> I know. I didn't believe it either, and it happened to me. I was like, am I going nuts? Like, am I losing my mind? Because this is the first time I had done anything that you know alters your state of consciousness, and here I am getting fish bones pulled out of my neck. Like, what is even going what? on? So it's basically, I agree, Mike, that I think plant medicine is just a huge shift in perspective. And it just allows you to see things for what they are, what they could be, or or what you want them to be, really, because there's just endless possibility. Yeah. Um, just to kind of uh, give another anecdote from my toad experience, when I came out of the, like, unity or the white light, whatever it is that's happening there, it's like this total unity of mm -hmm. yourself and everything that's ever existed is what it seems to be. There's like the, the part where you leave the breakthrough and you're, you're coming back to reality. And during this, uh, as I open my eyes, it's this overwhelming sensation of like sanctity. Like this is a holy, yeah. holy moment. My body is like vibrating. Like you were saying, I was just like shaking, like uncontrollably. And initially it, at the very first, when I realized it, I, it kind of freaked me out. And then I was like, oh, no, dude, just like let your body, your body knows what to do. Like you're, 
just let it do its thing. And I could feel this like knot in my ass cheek. It was like a, it was like, <laughs> it was like a cramp in my ass cheek almost. Like it felt like, I don't know, but in this, in this state, it was like, I got to get that thing out of my ass cheek. Like, I don't know what it is, but I know it's not supposed to be there. And so I kind of just like let my right leg really shake and bounce hard. And I could feel it like bouncing down my thigh, down my thigh, behind my knee, like past my calf. And finally, like it went out from my toes. And that was relatively, at that point, I was like kind of back to reality. And I was like, I looked over at the shaman and he was just like, dude, I told you, like, I told you because he was, he was really goading me to like, come on, dude, you need to go through with this. You need to go through with this. And I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> and then, you know, when I look at him, I just start bawling and like, you know, and it's like, yeah, something came out of my ass cheek, dude. I don't know. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Why don't we shift? Why don't we shift our gears away from ayahuasca stories, although they are so much fun and they're so wild, into kind of more of a. a I, I kind of want to talk about this religious aspect, and I'm not. I know what Mormonism is, but I'm not particularly familiar with it. I am familiar, however, with the feeling of being kind of robbed by religion, yeah. of these certain normal things. Like for me, for instance, when I was young. I had a really intense, like, sexual complex. Like, I really took the whole, like, don't lose your virginity till you get married thing to heart. And that kind of, like, wreaked havoc in my social life and 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 just my identity as a man and, and these various aspects of my life as, as I went through my teens into my early 20s. And I started to work through that and figure it out. And I think I've, I think I've got it covered now. But uh, I, I, re- I just remember things like that that were really, and, and when I would think back, I'd be like, dude, they fucked me up. And that kind of like really affected my life in a, in a bizarre way. And there were many other things like a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt, like a lot of feelings of shame and guilt kind of. Um, that came up for me in ayahuasca too, was releasing like embarrassment and guilt it would show me these like embarrassing moments of my life and these guilty moments of my life. And it was like the grandmother would ask me, she's like, do you want to let this go now? Are you ready to let this go? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, let's like, this one's easy. Let that one go. And then it would be another one and it would be more intense. And I'd be like, Ooh, yeah, I remember that. And I, I still feel guilty about that. And she'd be like, do you, are you ready to let it go now? And I'd be like, mm, yeah, I think I can let that one go. And then another one. So, um, you know, I, I'm aware, uh, I'm familiar with that sentiment in regards to uh, religion. And I'm sure you guys experience, have experienced that as well. Oh, yeah. Um, does, would anyone like to speak to that? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you just a, I'll, I'll give you a quick rundown of what the, what the tenets of Mormonism really are. I mean, so Mormonism believes that the Old Testament happened and then Jesus came and the New Testament happened. And then while all that was happening, there was some people who uh, came to America who would later become known as the Mesoamericans, Native Americans, Aztecs, Incas, whatever you want to call them. And after Jesus died, after Peter was uh, crucified upside down, after the church that Jesus established in the New Testament 
fell away through things like the Nicene Creed, through things like what, what Mormons call the Great Apostasy. There was a dude in 1820 named Joseph Smith that was really confused about Christianity and was like, what's up? And he prayed and God and Jesus appeared to him as two separate beings. And they were like, no, no, we got you. We're going to start the real church of Jesus Christ. We're going to start the real Christianity. And by the way, there's a bunch of like, uh, there's an ancient record of all these homies that were like running around America. There's a, there's a record of that on gold plates sort of near your backyard. So Joseph Smith was like, okay, let me go grab these plates and let me also translate them. And he translated them from uh, Hebrew into English. And they were shockingly similar to the King James Version of English. I've and then, the golden plate. Yeah. And then Joseph Smith was like, okay, by the way, our new religion is called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can call us Mormons. And we're based on Old Testament, New Testament, and this thing I just translated, which is called the Book of Mormon. And now because of that, now this is Joseph Smith speaking in 1842. He's like, because of that, in 2020, you have to be a Trump Republican who <laughs> hates gays and is against, uh, you know, like poor people and doesn't want you to like fully express your opinions and have full like vulnerability and, and, and get in touch with your divine masculine and your divine feminine. So that's basically Mormonism in a, in a, in a quick 90 second segment. <laughs> the problem with that is, nailed is the shame it. that you're talking about. So growing up, I'm sitting here going, okay, I cannot get, I cannot get laid. So I have to do something about it. I got to beat off all the time. But by the way, masturbating is also illegal according to the uh, Mormon church. So I'm also a big time sinner for masturbating. So good on me. I waited until I was married to have sex. I was a, I was a dirty old virgin when I got, when I got married to my current wife and not any time in the last 22 years have I been allowed to think, oh, that's a really cute female. I would like to see what kind of metaphysical connection we have. Also, in that same amount of time, I haven't, I haven't been able to see Dwayne The Rock Johnson with his shirt off and be like, dude, I'm kind of turned on by this have... guy's <laughs> fucking muscles and I want to <laughs> maybe kiss him and see where it goes from there. So that's Mormonism. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't. I don't know how anybody can resist that. That's a, how could that's you? A brutal religion. Yeah. <laughs> he looks perfect. Huh? Come he on, looks huh? like a perfect human person. He is. He is, he is a perfect. And his person. teeth. His teeth are so straight and, and white. God damn it. Because he's, he he makes all Mormon boys gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, Doug, we were talking about him on one of the podcasts. So I guess it's one that's coming out here this week. Is that you? You have that inner Rock Johnson within you. Look at look at this guy over here. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't got the same like tattoo structure, but I, I'm <laughs> me and Dwayne the Rock Johnson have a lot of similarities, and we could probably get along and have a beer and maybe see where it goes from there. I'm getting I'm getting more of a Jason Momoa feel from you, man. He's Ooh, a pretty he's yeah. a pretty funky dude too. You might have yeah. just made my whole week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I want a threesome with Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Jason Momoa. 
<laughs> wow. Same. Now same. that would be one hell of a Same, of a same, same. <laughs> hey, hey, Shalice, Shalice, I'll I watch. Just, I'll beat off in the corner while you have that yeah. threesome. Like, I was going to say, I just want to be involved. Like, I don't even have to play. I'll just, just watch. <laughs> but all of the things that we've talked about so far are against the Mormon church because you're not allowed to have natural feelings. You're not, a, you're not allowed to have uh, an open, vulnerable connection with yourself. And there's these binary concepts of gay people are bad, straight people are good. Um, gay is a thing, straight is a thing. Um, abortion is a thing, pro-life is a thing. That's what exists within Mormonism. And so when you reach your breaking point with any, and I, I don't think I'm speaking just to Mormonism, I think I'm speaking to any kind of conservative Christian movement, is if you if you turn away from that in any way, shape, or form, you are immediately blacklisted as a sinner, as someone who has fallen away from being in contact with uh, Jesus Christ or, or Heavenly Father or the Spirit of God, and therefore you are in sin, you are worthy of damnation, you are worthy of being cast out from the presence of God. And you're talking to three people who are now comfortable with the concept of being cast out from the spirit of Mormon God. Now, we all think that we are very much in tune with our inner divinity and our inner God, but we are very much cast out from Mormon God. But Sorry it's to not speak. Even, it's not even just being cast out. They believe that we are controlled by Satan, that Satan yes. has penetrated our life and taken hold, and now we are apostates who, by the way, if you're not familiar with the plan of salvation, um, there's three levels of heaven in Mormonism. The celestial is where you go if you're like super perfect, and there's more levels of that if you're like perfect, perfect on paper. Yeah, perfect squared, right? (laughs) Yeah, and then there's like a medium one where it's like you were awful, but you didn't do all the things like you drank coffee sometimes. It's like the medium one. And then the lower one, it's like you're not that great. In fact, that's where Hitler is going. And then there's outer darkness, which is where us three are going because we turned away from the church. So we're not even going to get to chill with Hitler and like the really horrible people of the world. We're going to be floating in outer darkness for time and all eternity. Which is like, bro, you already told me the thing about the rock and now coffee. I don't know how you guys, how did y'all make it so long? All I want is to enjoy a nice, warm coffee after my threesome with Wayne the Rock Johnson and Jason Momoa. Is that so much to ask, Mormons? I think that's very reasonable. Enjoy enjoy a nice cup of ayahuasca after, that's fine. But (laughs) I would say, too, where Mormonism adds an extra layer of guilt is that for any of these sexual sins, you have to confess to a Mormon bishop who's a untrained man, usually like a dentist, like the neighborhood dentist, and you're in his office. like a construction company. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you're in his office, and there's, unlike Catholicism or other... Yeah, tell me more. Tell me more. No. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Like, 100%. I'm kidding. Yes. And so I think Shalice should tell her story about that, but real quick, because Shalice has a good story with that. Um, But I just remember being in his office as like a 14-year-old, and I'm sitting in front of my neighbor... And it's unlike Catholicism, where there's like at least something like a shroud of like, oh, maybe I don't know who this person is. He's sitting right in front of you. And just the shame of like talking about how I jerked off, you know, and in in the presence of this man who 
ah, it's just, it adds that layer of shame. And then when I, so one of the things I talk about a lot on the podcast is dreams. We like to go into dream analysis quite a bit. And so just to show you the shame that I felt in my mission that I carried through, that I think this is all helping me heal from, I was trying not to masturbate so hard. I would masturbate in a sleep dreamlike state on my mission. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it didn't count? Well, I, I <laughs> no, didn't that's know. A free, I dude, felt like it get, counted. That one you can get away with. Oh, wait. You that's meant a, it just happened because, okay, I see. Yeah. So it wasn't like a wet dream. A wet dream, it just kind of comes out. Yeah. This was, I was, I was doing it, but I was in like a dream. I was, I wasn't fully awake but I'd feel so guilty afterwards. And then I would beat myself up like, was I awake? Was I really awake? Was I not? It's like mm -hmm. a fugue state type of thing. Yeah, where you're but I like would feel so much. In between, yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. so much. And so when I go to bed, I would tie my pajama shorts in triple knots, super tight. So, oh, and sometimes wow. I'd break through it. <laughs> That's just how much like sexual tension is bubbling under the the surface in Brazil, you know, a bunch of gorgeous women walking around everywhere. And <laughs> yes. I'm yes, God. 19, 20 years old. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Shalise yeah, is shaking her head. Like, Shalise, look, we gave The Rock and Jason Momoa their time on the sun. We're talking Brazilian women now. Get, <laughs> get them, girls. Hey, I'm on board with Brazilian women, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my this God. This is going to be a fun so orgy, cool. you guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Us there's some, four, there's some the rock. unbelievably beautiful women here. <laughs> all, yeah. And all the women from like like Fast and Furious 5. So it's like the mm -hmm. four of us, The Rock, Jason Momoa, and like four women from Fast 5. Like that's mm -hmm. a pretty good orgy that we could have, but we're not allowed to because we're so fucking serious and religious, right? I mean, yeah. not anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all bets are off now. All bets are off. <laughs> But yeah, I, I remember, uh, and, and I've always thought like, it's just the, the ultimate mind control. It's the ultimate control mechanism. It's like you are, it's like when you're a child and your parent threatens you with a punishment and they say, if you do X, then your punishment is Y. Um, now it's like you've ratcheted up the level of punishment to the nth degree. So if you don't do what we um, decide whoever that is decides is the correct moral, ethical, or the right thing to do, your punishment is not going to be your earthly, whatever happens for making a bad decision on planet earth. Like if you go, uh, through a red light, you might get in a wreck. Now you're pissing off the eternal creator of all living, of everything that's ever existed. And you're being ostracized from from his love or from that love and, and you're being, uh, you're being cast out into the outer darkness, like, like, uh, what you guys say. And I'm like, man, this is just the best possible way to control somebody, to scare them yeah. so badly yes. with their eternal soul that they are too horrified to even consider deviating from your, from your plan. Yeah. Um, and I think the one thing, if I had to pick one thing about the Mormon church that has bothered me personally the most, it's the fact that they hang your salvation over your head and it's like the whole sexual distortion thing because you can't do it. You can't do it. It's a sin next to murder. You get punished if you do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And then you get married and it's like, 
you have to multiply and replenish the earth now. And it's like, what? How can you possibly expect someone that is so downtrodden and so punched into the ground with these like sins to just all of a sudden be okay with sex and be comfortable with their sexuality? It's so backwards. Yeah. Why are they so obsessed with sex in the first place? Why don't they like, you know, because it's it's our most basic urge and therefore it's our most controllable urge. I mean, Shalice just said it. Mormons say that sexual promiscuity is a sin next to murder. Like, hold on a second. Let's just, let's just actually, we've all watched all of the Netflix documentaries about like fucking Ted Bundy and Gacy and all of the Syrica. We're all obsessed with the podcasts about, uh, you know, murderers who exist among us. Serial killers are our favorite topic for Netflix documentaries and podcasts. Mormons say that sexual promiscuity and more specifically, there's a there's a female aspect here that is misogynistic where it's like a woman holding her sexual power makes her very, very, very close to a murderer. And maybe you can't def- maybe you can't differentiate between the two things. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you're talking to someone who has only had sex with one woman over the last 19 years. And I'm sitting here like saying, Hey, everybody, go out, fuck, and be happy, and explore your sexuality. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here still having only had sex with one person because I was a I was a virgin when I got married. Uh, I I believe in you know some of the concepts of like being loyal. Sure. But Mormonism and and most I, I hate to bag on just Mormonism because most. Uh, conservative Christian movements, not even Christian, like look at Islam, look at like, there's a lot of like just religious platforms that say a woman who is in her sexual power is dangerous, almost like a murderer. Well, that's true though. Like it, it just in like reality. I mean, women in their sexual power are dangerous. We're, ter- we're terrified but, of it, right? <laughs> we, we're terrified but, of it because we're vulnerable with Doug's point with that, if they, so the, Mormonism also in the book of Mormon, it says the natural man is an enemy to God. And when they say you're natural man, you're based. So they've already divided you against yourself and saying you and your natural state are evil. You're wicked. You are broken. So let, let us give you the cure. So as long as you keep coming to us, you keep c- confessing your sins to a bishop you come every week to take the sacrament, you get baptized, you stay on this path, then you can become whole. So they're giving you the poison, but also giving you the antidote at the same time. And I think that's what it comes down to. And I don't even know if they're consciously doing that. I think it's this subconscious thing that just like we perpetuate trauma and Shalise says this in our first podcast, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. That's all it is now. The people that exist today in Mormonism, the leaders of the church, they're just perpetuating their own trauma and the cycle continues and they don't even know why they're doing it subconsciously. But I think when it gets down to it, where it started is an element of control and controlling people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's interesting about the, how their people now are just passing it down. And it's like a, the church that I grew up in, everyone is always reading out of the Bible and 
teaching you lessons and some of them are morally good you know they're good things to do and good ways to live your life it's not like it's all just it's not all bullshit there's kernels of truth and goodness and all this and many of the people that i encountered in the church were genuinely good people who were trying to do what they thought was best and right for themselves and were trying to help people and they you know and i still have friends today who remain in that in that world and uh, they're good people but um it's interesting how nobody the psychedelic experience is like the personal encounter. It's not, there's the middleman's cut out. It's like, no one is teaching you anymore. Now you're being taught by, you're being taught by the actual encounter with the higher power itself. And this lesson can go many different directions. You have no idea where it's going to go. Um, but all these people are just handing down these lessons from these experiences that no one is having. And I define that, that, concept so bizarre like i didn't used to i just thought yeah the bible is right and if you read it it'll tell you how to live your life even though it's like thousands of years old written by many many authors translated hundreds of times and no (laughs) one knows any of the veracity of it uh but we should live our lives literally according to this book that's basically the kind of church that i was raised in was a very fire and brimstone southern literal bible belt church where if it says it in the bible you don't need to analyze it you need to do what it says and it's like well this is some crazy shit in here dude like yeah i mean i i I can get down i can get down with the bible the bible is it's got some good stuff like if you're talking about like give um don't murder don't steal uh give away a big portion of your wealth to feed the needy uh, pray in secret. Um, the things that the Bible teaches, I can get down with that. It's when people start saying, oh, uh, I'm interpreting the Bible to project outward how I feel like I should take money from you and control your life and your body. That's when I'm like, I feel like you guys and I, we have a different reading of the Bible. Like we, we're not, we're not reading the same shit here because a lot yeah, of this- and it would be please it would it would even be different from from preacher to preacher and as mm-hmm. in my world it they would be reading the same portion of the bible and they would have a completely different uh understanding of it which is to be expected but as, and now this is the part that really trips me out why are we doing this to children dude well life oh. is complex enough like like i'm a grown adult and i still struggle with these things and i've been through a lot of weird shit and it's like these these concepts are so high com like so complex. Like, why are you overlaying a developing person with this? This part yeah. is the is the really the logical kicker for me. I'm like, you know, it's already shitty to be like 14 and weird and awkward and you don't know if you know you don't know anything about sex, you don't know anything about life in general, and now you're telling me. You know, all and everyone in the church is telling me something different, slightly different, slightly different, slightly. And I'm like, man, what the fuck? I don't know what who to listen to, what to think. Well, hold on, you're you're on something really, and you're you're almost to Nirvana there because like, you're you, okay. So you're talking to some. I I I've read the Old Testament, New Testament, the I've read an English translated version of the Quran. I've read in Mandarin Chinese the Tao Te Ching. So if there's 7.8 billion people on earth 
and they've all got different interpretations of those holy books. And it's all based on their life experience and their own personal interpretation and their their priest or their shaman or their father or whoever, their bishop's interpretation, then isn't every interpretation a little bit wrong and therefore aren't we all wrong? And therefore, aren't we all just reliant on our own self and our own interpretation of our connection with the divine? And that's all psychedelics teaches us. That's all psychedelics says is, hey, the divine is inside you. We are God. Let's see if we can come together and figure this shit out. Sorry. I know Amen. Guys, no, yeah. I know I get into Praise like be. my, yeah, but that's like, honestly, well, like. But to the pressure that you put on, we put on children. I mean, I was telling Shalise's story this week. Shalise came over for Thanksgiving. She was part of the family this yeah, week. Girl. But um, <laughs> Yeah. And well, I was, we're telling the story because my daughter, who's 10, two years ago or so, she was probably eight. And that's the time when in Mormonism, they would be getting baptized and all this pressure of like, okay, now your sins are washed away. You're choosing. We always say, I'm so glad they chose as this eight-year-old to follow for the rest of their lives, this, these Mormon teachings. Um, I remember we were just over breakfast or something and I saw a funny joke on my phone and it had the word sin in it. And I showed it to my wife. And she laughed. And of course, my daughter wanted to see it. So I showed it to her. And she said one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard a kid say, which is, what is sin? Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> and I just wanted to hug her and be like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Holy shit, Please don't dude. ever, don't ever don't look need, that one up in the dictionary. <laughs> you don't need to know. I mean, I explained it to her. But yeah, so beautiful. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And I've always found this concept of sin, just the concept of sin in and of itself to be so ambiguous and interesting. It's like, okay, who's deciding? Uh, how many people have to agree? Where did the, like, I just don't, it's so ambiguous and bizarre and people are so zealous about it. And I remember there was a time when I was too, I used to go to like, dude, I used to go to Walmart and like evangelize, like, Ask, hey brother, do you know about Jesus? Like, let me tell you about how Jesus changed. I'm like 14, bro. What has oh. Jesus changed in my life? Dude, I haven't done shit. Like, <laughs> 14. I I believe in Jesus. What? Dude, I remember. Like, wait, I remember. Way cool, but like Walmart is not the place for Jesus. <laughs> I know, dude. I was a weird kid, dude. I was a weird. I'm a weird man now, but um. Doesn't Jesus yeah. own some of Walmart? I thought he owned. Like most of I it. Think he, uh, <laughs> I think he started it. I think he started the chain. Or is it just the gun <laughs> section in that he owns? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Sam, Sam Walton and Jesus were homies is what it comes down to. Oh, for sure. For sure. I forgot. I was about to say something else about crazy Christian shit. But we were now talking I about you ev- like preaching and, and evangelicizing. Is that even yeah, yeah. Evangel- outside of Walmart? Yeah, I used to do weird shit like that. And I remember, honestly... This is kind of tangential. This is kind of uh, switching gears, but it's in the same vein. I remember there was one time that I went to this big uh, Christian church thing. It was like a uh, – I don't know how to – how to what to call it. It was like a convention for like multiple churches in a similar vein, which the church that I went to was called Foursquare, which is kind of like Baptist and a few other denominations of Christianity mashed ah. together. It's who the fuck knows. But I went to this thing 
and they were playing the praise and worship band was praying. I was probably like, I was probably like 13 or 14. This was when I was in my like zealous Christian phase. And I remember I had this moment where, well, I guess I should preamble with this. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but in Southern baptism in Southern Baptist Christianity, there are portions where people will speak in tongues and literally change languages and usually the language is not a real language um and people will like laugh hysterically and they call it being filled with the holy spirit have you guys heard this concept are you familiar oh yeah 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 yeah. so this in in the church that i grew up in this is common this happens in every church service and you'll see people some people cry some people it's very much like a psychedelic purge um And I remember I was in this moment of praise and worship and everyone was like, was doing this around me and the band was playing. And I just like fell into this like altered state of just hilarious laughter. And I was just laughing, laughing, laughing. It was uncontrollable. It really was. And I, I was like, wow, okay. Being filled with the Holy spirit. That's what that was. Okay. Now I understand it instead of just seeing it. And years later down the line, I would have, multiple psychedelic experiences where this would be similar to the one I just talked about on ayahuasca, where I just couldn't, I was uncontrollably laughing. There was, I couldn't stop it. And, uh, that, I remembered that moment from my youth and the similarities. And I was like, dude, that was like a, that was like a psychedelic experience that I triggered through just intense engagement in this moment with all of these people. And, uh, it was very bizarre and it was it was real. I don't know exactly what it was, but I think I just hyped myself up to this moment of like altered fervor. consciousness. Fervor, yeah. dude. Religious fervor is a real thing. It's not like a it's not like some kind of uh, you know uh, like metaphorical or or whatever. It, religious fervor is a real thing, and people can get caught up in it. All of us have, I think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Fervor. Totally. I remember also there was a time when I was young and there was like a man who came to our church who was doing like a, what do they call Like a testimony where he was te- saying like what his life, had, how shitty his life had been. And then he found Jesus and his life got better basically. And he was like a drug addict and all this. And I remember thinking, dude, this sucks. I'm never going to have a good testimony because I'm always going to be a good Christian. And oh, like, no. Now- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't like yeah. it, that's just a bizarre thing for a child to think about. Like, uh, so many strange things. I remember one time I went to this retreat and they gave me a list and they wanted, and it was hundreds of items long, several hundred items long. And they wanted me to check off whether or not I had been engaged in this type of sin. And dude, it, I was again 13, 14 years old, and there's things on there that I didn't even, I wasn't even aware that like people did oh. it was like have you ever engaged in sex with animals have you ever exploited- <laughs> holy shit dude and i remember i went i came back from this thing and i told my mom i was like yo uh you know being christian is cool but that shit was kind of weird like wow. it was bizarro yeah i remember terms like heavy petting and necking <laughs> and i'm like well what is what is what is the fuck does that mean i was just oh, like <laughs> yeah well, man, we're going on pro- over an hour here. So you guys want to you want to tie this up, tell the good folks where they can uh, find you. You guys want to keep going? What do y'all want to yeah, do? Yeah, well, we have to wrap. We, we're recording one of our own here in a bit. But 
Okay. Real quick, before we tell what people can find me, I want to say a little bit of love towards Mormonism here. Cause yeah, um, yeah, yeah please, give, please give, give some love to Mormonism. We've been, because kind of- I had a really cool experience this week. I want to tell you guys about, so, you know, we call ourselves Mormons on mushrooms. Obviously we're ex Mormons on mushrooms, but we're very proud. I mean, you think of Mormon history that Doug touched upon. So once, once the golden plates were and everything and, uh, translated, translated, they, uh, <laughs> converted a lot of people and, a lot of dreamers, people who are dreamers and, you know, pioneers, and they journeyed, some of them journeyed from Europe on a boat and then across the plains and settled in Utah and all over the place, actually. And so we're descended from these dreamers and these pioneers and these visionaries. And yeah, there's a lot of trauma there, but there's also, I think when we think about connection to ancestors and you think about it as passing a baton, right? Um, I had this moment this week where on Facebook, I had a guy that I converted on my mission towards the end of my mission. He made a Facebook post and he tagged me in it. And in the, in the post, there's actually a a signed picture of Jesus that I guess I gave and given him as a missionary. (laughs) (laughs) He's out here doing like, uh, signings at Comic-Con and stuff. I wrote Elder, Elder, I won't say my last name, but I wrote Elder, yeah. Christ. Love, <laughs> Love you. But he wrote this really heartfelt post about how, you know, in Mormon on your mission, you always walked two by two. You always have a companion. How two angels came in his life and completely changed his life. And... I sat there with that thinking, you know, we were talking about this being, we're all on our hero's journey here. And for him on my mission, I was this angel bringing him something that brought him so much peace and happiness in his life. And that same thing right now, I'm spending thousands of dollars on therapy and doing a shit ton of drugs to try to heal from. (laughs) <laughs> and how can those two be exist in the same universe, but somehow it does. And you know what? I think there's a passing of the baton and you know what? He's raising his kids in Mormonism and there might be some trauma there. And, but maybe he's raising them in a more loving home in a less abusive home or something that he experienced or with more purpose. And so there, you know, there's a lot of, you see Mormons in these happy families. I mean, there's a lot bubbling under the surface in those, but there's an, emphasis on the family and loving homes. And I grew up in a very loving home. Um, and you know, it's set that despite the trauma I've had from my religious upbringing, there's also love. And so it's a weird, it was a weird thing I've been sitting with this week, you know, and like, how can those two exist? But they do in the same, in the same realm, we're all playing in here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I second that, you know, some of the relationships and, and some of the lessons that I learned while in the church def- helped define who I am and also helped to get me for sure to this point. You know, there was a lot of things that I learned about um, about your own confidence and self-reliance. And these are all very conservative, right-sided ideas. But without those kind of foundations, you know, I would probably have never gone to the jungle to drink ayahuasca or – you know, these things, they're double-edged swords. There's good in everything, you know, and it's, it's a choice in perception. And 
I've come, and I'm sure you guys have, I've come across this many times in my psychedelic journeys where it's like, dude, everything is your perception, how you choose to see it. There is no good, there is no bad. And, you know, that's debatable. But I've, I've had that realization or what seems to be that realization many times where I'm like, why are you so afraid? You're only afraid because you are creating this idea of what it's gonna happen. And now look, you're here, you're in the throne room, you're in the presence of God. Is it scary? No, it's beautiful, it's peace, it's love. And you've created this entire construct in your mind about what it was gonna be like. And is it like that? No. Yeah, the presence of God should be comfortable and exciting and and peaceful, not scary. Well said. I'm gonna say, I actually have to get going, but Aho and amen to you guys. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love all three of you. Let's keep talking more about that uh, orgy we're having with the Brazilians. And the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do it. We'll get that In the together. meantime, oh. you can find us. So uh, in, we're mostly on Instagram, just at Mormons on Mushrooms. Shalice also has some cool Instagram. She has her Instagram page at Shalice Sola. What Anne. is it? Shalice Ann. At Shalice Ann. And then at Sola Spirit Travels, where she actually shares a lot of her medicine journeys and is visiting sacred sites, whether it's Peru or Sedona, Arizona. Um, so find us. Instagram's probably the best way to find us. But you can find our podcasts on all all the platforms that there are, I guess. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I'll link I'll link all you guys' social medias in in the show notes and everything, and uh, we'll we'll promote this because actually I, I don't have another one in the bank, so this one's gonna uh, I'm about to put this one up for tomorrow morning. So. Cool. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So much fun. I love what you're doing. Hey, Clinton, go, go do that. Go, your your friend that wants to go tonight, go do that. Go. Go drink that. All right, man. I'm 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 gonna give it some. I'm gonna give it a little more thought. Come on. Uh, (laughs) Much love, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. Good talking to y'all. Take care. Bye bye. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the latest installment of Psychedelicast with Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. Dude, I really enjoyed talking to these guys and gals. Uh, they were super friendly, super cool. We had a good time. We had some laughs, cracked some jokes, told some stories. It was a good old time on this one. I enjoyed it, and I, it was a pleasure to uh, to speak with these uh, fine folk and to, uh, and to meet them in the digital realm. And I'll be looking forward to uh, chatting with them each further individually or as a group. I really dig it. I'm going to share all their information um, in the show notes, but uh, mainly if you want to check them out at Mormons underscore on underscore mushrooms, that's on IG. You can check them out there. We'll link it up for you. We'll link it up for you. Beyond that, guys, hey, join us on the Patreon page. We're dropping extra stuff right now. You're going to get an extra episode uh, coming along with this only if you're a psychedelicast psychonaut on www.patreon.com slash psychedelicast. For $3 a month, you can enter the void with us, come on the show, tell your own story, have access to all the other psychonauts, psych, uh, the Psychedelicast psychonaut stories, as well as uh, anything and everything else that we drop that's exclusive. And I'll keep you updated on what those things may be. For instance, the video version of this chat, which I mentioned earlier in the show, is available right now in the Patreon-only exclusive members group. Join us. Become a Psychedelicast Psychonaut. Follow us on the socials. Share us with your family and friends. We love you, baby. Let's do our quote and get the F out of here. And we'll close out this episode with kind of a lengthy one from Mr. Daniel Pinchbeck. 350 years ago, Shulgin notes, the church proclaimed the earth is the center of the universe and anyone who says otherwise is a heretic. 
Today, the government proclaims, all drugs that can expand consciousness are without medical or social justification, and anyone who uses them is a criminal. In Galileo's time, the authorities said, we do not need to actually look through that mysterious contraption. Now, the government says, there is no need to actually taste those mysterious compounds. In the past, the church said, how dare you claim that the earth is not the center of the universe? Today, the government says, how dare you claim that an understanding of God is to be found in a white powder? Psychedelic Casters, thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode of the podcast. We love you all. Thank you so much for spending some time with us in the attempt to pry open the third eye. We'll see you next time. Be good to yourselves and each other. Peace. Oh, my God.